This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Jesse. I'm, I'm Luke. Tom, oh, oh screwed up. <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't talk about <laughs> the order. Yeah, we needed the order, didn't we? Sorry. It's, yeah, don't worry about it. It's, in order, of, the... it's in order of awesomeness. Reverse order. So I go first. I'm second <laughs> most awesome, and then Luke and Tama can fight for who's third most awesome. Luke can go. <laughs> okay. There. No, I think that's pretty good. So, what we're we doing first? Okay. Then, yeah? Well, we're talking about uh, this stack of stuff that's come in. Um, Jesse, first stack. Let's, let's do yeah. Jesse's stack. All right, I got oh, a Jesse's very stack. stack. Okay, I got a very small stack of things that came in. A very thin envelope from James Powell, a uh, science fiction writer and mystery writer, uh, who doesn't have a lot of stuff on audio, but I'm a big fan of. Um, he's got a new uh, Inspector Bozo or Dirge for Clown Town series story in uh, uh, Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine called All right. "Last Laugh in Flugel Park." Hmm. I haven't read it. Just came in the mail yesterday, but uh, we're looking at maybe nine pages of funny mystery uh, alternate fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> really strange, good, awesome reading. So new right. weird. Yeah. Well, he's so old, is this a short weird. stories? Yeah, is this? It's, he only writes short stories. Ah, okay. Yeah, he's he's a great writer. We we've had nice. one of his um, stories on the podcast in the past, if not two. I think Julie did one on hers. Yeah, and the first one was A Dirge for Clown Town. Is that right? Yeah. Yep, and that one right. was on audio, and we did a podcast on it. I'm sure if, if we haven't, we've talked about it many times on mm-hmm. this podcast. It's just a great, great fiction story. Yeah, it's a good story. We've had a, we've had a oral noir-style story on it as, on the podcast as well a while ago. His first ever published story. So that's cool. the only paper thing I got in the mail. Mm-hmm. And then I got a copy of uh, the new Halo uh, Cryptum book, which is uh, f- says the Forerunner Saga. Interestingly, it's read by not read by it's pub. It's written by Greg Bear. Wow. Oh, okay. Uh, which is a surprise. He's doing uh, what is this? Video game tie-ins. Video game tie-in. Yeah. Yeah. I think this. Well, is- I saw that Tobias Espakel did a Halo book as well. So I yeah. think. Uh, they're getting popular, some more popular authors, you know, who already... Well, actually, I don't know how popular these people but, are now. Greg Bear, I don't know how popular he is at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> Peter Watts did a crisis book, too. Oh, yeah, that was true. That's true. It's in- interesting that um, it's, it's nine CDs, so it's not super long, unabridged. Um, but the Forerunners saga, I think what the idea behind this series is that it's, it's uh, like a prequel series to the video games. So it explains ah. where the Halos came from. And I, I figure it should just be really a short book. I just call it, it came from Larry Nevin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, isn't that Ringworld? I don't yeah. Because <laughs> uh, all- when I actually played Halo for the first time, you do get these sort of big aliens with these little heads sticking out the top. And I always thought they looked like the, the plant-based life form. What is it? Is it plant or something like that? And, they, and they've got two heads and they can lose one head and this is in ring world of course oh. and i always thought the the aliens in in halo looked a little bit like what oh, i imagine the alien i can't remember the name of the alien now in, in puppeteers, ring world. puppeteers maybe oh, the puppeteers yeah they have two heads are they no they're, they're vegetarians they're vegetarians that's it yeah okay maybe i'm getting mixed up there yeah so the vegetarians and um but i was just saying maybe it's maybe i'm getting confused from a different thing but there you go. Hmm. well cool 
All right. Are you gonna are you gonna listen to that one? I'm gonna give it to Steen. I think Steen's our Greg Bear guy. Yeah. He's got a review of the latest Greg Bear coming out very shortly. Cool. Um, I can't remember the name hole, of that one. Hole zero. Uh, hole. hole zero three. That's yeah. That's it. it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, that's his uh, his latest non video game tie in book. Mm-hmm. Horror. I think it's a horror sort of. Yeah, in space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So what'd yeah. you get, Scott? Besides <laughs> Halo Crypto. Besides that one, all right. Hey, uh, Blackstone is continuing to put out Tim Powers' books. Um, okay. This one is called The Stress of Her Regard by Tim Powers, read by Simon Vance. Um, it says, When Michael Crawford discovers his bride brutally murdered in their wedding bed, he is forced to flee not only to prove his innocence, but to avoid the deadly embrace of a vampire who has claimed him as her true bridegroom. Joining forces with Byron, Keats, and Shelley in a desperate journey that crisscrosses Europe, Crawford desperately seeks his freedom from this vengeful lover who haunts his dreams and will not rest until she destroys all that she cherishes. Told in the guise of a secret history. Yeah. story of passion and terror brilliantly evokes the 19th century. (laughs) Chilling horror and adventure blend together. In a riveting romantic fantasy. There you go. Uh, I got everything except for the romantic. Now, <laughs> what did you have that memorized? No, I just look into Blackstone website. Ah, oh, gotcha. Uh, All right. <laughs> uh, it, uh, yeah, it does sound like it. Um, Sixteen and a half hours. Yeah, pretty it's, it's pretty big. Yep. Pretty hefty. I, I I got used to short books. Mm-hmm. Do you have a time? Yeah, I've been enjoying these short books recently as well actually these uh, you know i did um uh i am legend which is about 10 hours yeah, and then yeah. this this more recent book as well when gravity fails it was like 11 or something that's a great for me that's a good length i think well what did you end up giving uh when gravity fails uh in stars on your podcast? i gave it four stars. what did you not listen to the episode not yet, I just put it out <laughs> not yet. Uh, i listened to it yeah yeah um no four I, stars I it's very put- good I, I saw um, put a towel on your head, which I thought was it's very not a, sensitive. It's not. I was doing because it was an, it's set in the thing, and they talk. He talks about putting putting on his clothes and stuff. So you know, the, the main character in the book it generally wears like jeans and a jacket and stuff. And then when he wants to go out and he wants to go out in disguise, or well, not in disguise, but he doesn't want people to recognize him, then he goes out with his with his um, with his sheets on, whatever the costume that they call it, costume. Um, <laughs> nice. But. Uh, yeah, it's these guys, and then uh, yeah, and then of course at one point he he has a shave in the book as well. To you know, as a different way of disguising himself. So I just thought I'd put a towel on my. But then again, for Big Brother, I put a mustache on, and, and for these other ones, yeah. Hmm. Oh, I thought you just got out of the shower, and then you took a picture. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no. So when just just to just to, if we're going to skip to when gravity fails, that was we talked about it. Like yeah. I think mm-hmm. the last time I was on this podcast when we we're talking about new releases, that was on Audible, and I was like, oh, I think Scott mentioned you. Have you read it, Scott? I have not. Nope. Oh, I think you were the one who talked about it and said mm-hmm. this looks really interesting, considering the quotes that were on there mm-hmm. and the quotes are good quotes on there you know they, they actually sort of convinced me that hey this sounds interesting so i gave it a go cyberpunk set in a future where um islamic nations are on the rise and swapping personality technology kind of stuff done really well from the 1980s i recommend it to anyone fantastic yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it sounds really good i'm yeah, the first half for me was a bit slow because I'm not a big crime fan or noir fan. Not really. I mean, I like it, but 
but I'm not, I don't really like just reading about what criminals are doing. I, I it generally doesn't interest me very much, but, um, but this, yeah, it, it really, uh, the second half, it suddenly kicks into high gear about, yeah, about halfway through and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it really went through. All right. So Tamahoe, yeah, was- you were saying that you were interested in that one. Yeah, oh, I was actually trying to find it like a Kindle sample uh, to check it out, and it's not even yep. on ebook at all. Not on ebook but at all. On, but it's on audio. But I usually like to check out the Kindle sample just to see if I like it, and then maybe mm. I'll get the audio version. Yeah. Well, I've got like four credits left on on Audible at the moment because I've been doing some other getting some other bits. No, mm-hmm. it's uh, it was I think it was a uh, uh, Hugo nominated and Nebula nominated um, when it came out. So I think it's a. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised it wasn't James Tiptree Jr. nominated because it's about gender. Yeah, yes, it is very much about gender, but uh, maybe maybe it didn't exist back then that awards. Oh, uh, Jonathan Davis, Jonathan yeah, Davis, eighty-eight, right? Eighty-six, I think. Eighty-nine. No, that's the game. <laughs> I'm thinking. Um, it was oh, original publication, nineteen eighty-seven. So there you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so after I talked to you, Luke, the other day. Um, what about it? Uh. Well, we were talking about this book before you mm, mm-hmm. you um put did out the podcast and um yeah, uh, i looked up that game circuit's edge and that got me thinking about the old uh, infocom games because circuit's edge is an infocom game based on this world of, uh, point and click kind of stuff. yeah and um and then that got me to looking at other games like that and then i realized that there was uh an ad on on good old games for a which is a uh, old game I actually went there to look for uh, Infocom stuff. Good Old Games is like a DRM-free version of Steam, yep. but it only does old games. And they had an old game on there that I actually had wanted to play at the time, but never did. It's called Under a Steel Sky. Have you heard about this game? Yes. It Have you rings it? a bell so much that I think I might or have beneath played a, it. Beneath a Steel Sky, oh, beneath, I'm sorry. Yeah, maybe that's better. Let me yeah. just like that. So it's a 1994 point-and-click adventure game. Uh, it's available free. Uh, on, on good old games, and I think a few other places, but uh, it works on you know modern computers, um, and uh, it's it's very retro. It's uh, it's you know point and click and very minimal is it interface. Co- it's all comic book look, is it? Yeah, it's it got, got a comic yeah. book look. Um, actually, comes with a comic book uh, that you can print out or uh, oh. read. That's the intro for it, and uh, you've got a, like a little robot companion that. You can have analyzed things, and you you've got this problem you've got to solve. And uh, I I just started it, but I was like, my skills are really rusty, you know. From well, you, you can't old... think where to click on now. You don't know the tricks. Yeah, and and like there's uh, just finding the interface. Oh, you have to go up there and grab the thing, and then right click on the guy with that tool, and and see what happens. And the save mechanism is kind of strange. So, um, just you know, you get used to modern modern games, but the old ones that are full of storytelling are pretty darn good. And I see that. I just checked on, on Wikipedia for this. It's a, um, the backstory is introduced by a comic book mm-hmm. shown on screen in the introduction of the CD release. So, and it was d- drawn by Dave Gibbons. Who mm-hmm. didn't he do? Um, he did Watchmen. The, Watchmen. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was thinking. That's what I recognize that yeah, name for. So I think actually I might have seen the comic book, but not, not played the game because this, this comic book style is very, uh, in there. says it's available for iOS, which I assume is the iPhone 
right. Yeah. Maybe there's an I. I That's probably a really good something. platform for these point and click adventures, actually. Because you think, you know, yeah, yeah. There's there, it's lots of pointing. Um, lots of clicking. <laughs> so talking about uh, we mentioned before about uh, the comic book tie-ins and comic book. Uh, no, not comic book. No, I'm trying to say uh, video time. game, video game tie-ins and stuff like that. Once I tried to read Douglas Adams' Starship Titanic, written by I think Terry Gilliam or some someone like that. You yeah, know, I think one it was of Terry, Terry Jones. Yeah, Terry Jones. Right. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. one of one of the Terriers from the uh, Monty Python team. Right. Yeah. So, uh, um, and it's it was one of the worst books I ever began reading, and I stopped reading after about three chapters. Absolutely terrible. And I think that's one of the only computer game tie-in books that I've ever tried to to read, and it was just the worst thing ever. Yeah, I had uh, the exact same experience. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, read, I never read played the, first the game, but it, of, I was. Yeah, I never played the game either, but I recall having the book. It was sold to me on Douglas Adams. I was like, "Yeah, yeah. Douglas Adams is great," <laughs> and then yeah. I was like, "Oh boy, oh boy!" <laughs> it's got pretty low rankings on uh, Moby mm-hmm. Games. Mm-hmm. It's like fifty-six out of a hundred, and what's that Starship Titanic? Yeah. Oh, so, I'm not. I'm not talking. I never about the game. played it. I never no, played no, the game itself, but mm. if the books, if the book is based on the game, which I think is <clears> how it was, yeah, it was. It was. It felt idea. like it felt like somebody was like just reading me their diary of playing a computer game, and uh, I just don't think that's user yeah. reviews. An unexpected disappointment from Douglas Adams. Yeah, mostly hot air. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. Where is the story? <laughs> oh, not good. Not yeah, good. he was off his game there. Uh, Yep, yep. I was going to mention uh, Jeff Vandermeer did a Halo short story, too, called uh, Mona Lisa. And they made a motion comic out of it, too. Uh, I sent the link to the chat room. Okay. Oh, that's right, yeah. And that was in um, that that one audiobook of Halo short stories. Can't remember what it was oh. called. Hmm. Yep. Um, okay, well, I've got uh, another one here by All Arthur right. C. Clarke and Stephen Baxter. It's called Firstborn, A Time Odyssey, Book 3, read by John Lee. Um, The Firstborn, the mysterious race of aliens best known as the builders of the iconic black monolith in 2001, have inhabited the writing of science fiction master Arthur C. Clarke for decades. In the first two books of his acclaimed Time Odyssey series, Clarke and co-author Stephen Baxter imagined a near future in which the Firstborn seek to stop the advance of human civilization, by employing a technology indistinguishable from magic. That fate was narrowly averted at an inconceivable price. Now, 27 years later, the firstborn are back. Um, it says, this is a conclusion to uh, the Time Odyssey series. Yeah, yeah. Third book in a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, interesting. So the, mono, the monoliths, uh, then, you know, I haven't read these books here, but I've read, you know, 2001 and all, all those ones, but... So the monoliths mm-hmm. kind of spurred human civilization, and now they're trying to stop it. Is that not civilization? Evolution. Evolution. Okay. Well, yeah. hmm. you need you need uh, evolution to get human civilization, right? Hmm. Uh, okay, if it's a... <laughs> you're both right. They've changed their okay. mind. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Ev- Evocation. <laughs> All right. Next, I have one by Paul Anderson. Read by Bronson. Oh, wait a second. Pinch- Go back one. Do you oh. do you like the um, Baxter uh, Clark team up? I have format? no. You only let's see. The light of other days is was that Clark and um, Baxter? Yes, I read yeah, that and one and I, and I did like that one. I enjoyed the exploration and there, there. And there was another one which was 
uh, the Trigger. I think it's called Trigger. Okay, I haven't like read that, that one. I, I'm pretty sure yeah, the only one I've maybe. read is The Light of Other Days, which was which I, I disappointing. Liked it. I, I liked it just because of the ideas in it. Um, the exploration, that's what stuck with me after the years. I can't even tell you yeah. what the plot was, <laughs> but the idea was... Oh, I can tell you the plot was. The plot <laughs> ran out 30, uh-huh. like third of the way through the book. Which is probably when they why I don't recall it. <laughs> which is, well, that's when they discover the technology of being able to see back through time, because that's a whole lot, like these miniature wormholes that you can see stuff happening back throughout time. Right. So this a wormhole acts as a, a, a camera aperture mm-hmm. in a way. Right. So light, when light hits it, it goes through. Um, and uh, so, so that's really interesting. And they keep looking back and le- keep looking back and looking back and looking back um, and di- to different pines. But it's actually the bit where they lead up to the discovery of that technology. And it's a really great moment when one of the characters looks to, um, because he realizes that the people, suddenly he realizes that people in the future are going to look back to this moment where they discover this factor. And he knows that that's going to be one of the main times that people are going to look back to in the future. And so he turns to future historians and says, hey, check it out. Look what I've just invented. And I'm like, that's awesome. If the book had stopped there, it would have been really, really good, <laughs> like short novella. Uh-huh. Um, but Yeah. No, uh, why, wasn't there it. stuff in there about um, the loss of privacy because they, oh, they yeah, found out great. that they could look, you know, just a second into the past, and that's almost the yeah. same as looking into the present. And yeah, uh, yeah. And what happens as soon as the technology comes out? Oh, before the technology comes out, like it says, like fifty percent of all or ninety percent of all politicians just resigned immediately. They preemptively <laughs> resigned. I don't think that would have happened. That wouldn't happen at all. Of course, yeah. it wouldn't happen. Um, but it, it's 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 a fun little plan. Talking yeah, about the light of other days, right? Right. Yeah, light That's of correct. other days. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. What yeah. what I remember about that book, uh, not having read it, is that yeah. it it's title is stolen from a, a short story uh, by a different author completely named... Yes, I've, I've got mixed up between them before as well when Bob I was looking Shaw. at it. You guys read that story? It's an amazing story. It's a re- very, hmm. very passive story, but the idea is really terrific. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, it's a 1966 uh, story um, about this idea of slow glass. So, this is a material that allows light to go in, and once it's inside the material, it slows down to a very slow speed, depending on the thickness of the glass, um, so that when it comes out the other side, it could be like a minute later, an hour later, or a thousand years later, depending on how thick the glass is or what the material of the glass's consistency is. And so it's a very passive story. It's a, I think the way it's said, it's a couple in Ireland are driving through the countryside and they stop for lunch and there's a cellar of slow glass and they see... Uh, an image inside the house of some woman in the kitchen, and then uh, outside there's a, uh, a a guy selling slow glass. And then he goes into ah. the house and comes out, and then they realize at the end of the story, uh, this is there's a bunch of stories like this, but I think they realize at the end of the story that the woman in the window has been dead for 50 years, and then mm. that's a picture of her when she was alive, right? The, 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 they replaced the window with slow glass so that they would see the outside image from long ago and they would, you would see the inside image from the modern yeah. day. So he likes mm-hmm. to spend his days looking at his wife who's long dead. Really just a great little concept. Um, and that's what B- Bob Shaw is best known for is that story. 
So I've just ruined it for everyone, but <laughs> no, no, that's good. Spoiler alert! Yeah, it's great. Well, it's short stories, like I say, just based on one little spoiler, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, I realised that actually the, the other the other book that I thought was by that team Clark and Baxter. The trigger isn't. It's oh. with it says with Michael Cube McDowell, who I don't know. Uh, it's Baxter or Arthur C. Clarke and and Rick to Ten with Mike McKay is so bad. <laughs> that's back. That's Clark and Mike. Okay. McKay. Hmm. Yeah. Arthur C. Clarke anyway, was milking his name, I think. Oh, yeah. No, but the thing is, oh, that Richter 10 was really bad because what actually happens at the end of the book, he includes the outline of the book that he gave to Mike McKay to write the novel for. And <laughs> it's, it's like one of the worst book outlines. Not one of the worst. But you read it and you go, oh, now I see what Arthur C. Clarke brings to a book when he writes the book rather than getting somebody else to write the book. <laughs> you know, because Mike McKay really couldn't do this outline justice. I'm not sure if, you know, Arthur C. Clarke could have done that too. But, right, right. Well... All right. Okay. Okay. Well, I've got one from uh, Paul Anderson. Oh, um, yeah. Th- called, I think this might be what we're looking for. Yeah, the Broken Sword. Yeah. Is that right? Yep. It's sent yep. along to Brian Murphy. Um, uh, it's read by Bronson Pinchot, also from Blackstone. It says Thor has broken the sword Tearfing, <laughs> so that it cannot strike at the roots of uh, Y G G D R A S I L. I don't know how to pronounce that. The tree that binds together earth, heaven, and hell. But now the mighty sword is needed again to save the elves in their war against the trolls, and only Scaflock, a human child kidnapped and raised by elves, can hope to persuade Bulwark the ice giant to make Tyrfing whole again. But Scaflock must also confront his shadow self, Valgard the changeling, who has taken his place in the world of men. And this has Didn't you that, just talk about... Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah uh, Jesse put, did a post about it, and uh, it says, Paul Anderson's classic fantasy, The Broken Sword, knocks the Fellowship of the Ring into a cocked hat. And that yeah, is what? from The Guardian. <laughs> I guess that means it's like a, another spin on it. I, I don't... It doesn't sound anything like The Fellowship think, of the Ring. Yeah, I think it means that it's way better than Fellowship of the Ring. I think it came, out, it came out right at the... It came out about the same time yeah. when when the, the Fellowship of the Rings was coming out and everyone was raving about that, and then this book came out. I know it's a, a very um, co... Um, not co-time? No, what do I want to say? Contemporaneous? Contemporary, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. Right. It's a contemporary of Lord of the Rings rather than a rip-off. Or the, you know, nowadays when they say, oh, the best thing that's come along since the Lord of the Rings, you see that kind of stuff on a lot of books. Like, mm-hmm. the, you know, in the, in the vein of Tolkien's great work is now... You know. So this one is uninfluenced by uh, Tolkien, probably. Uh, yeah, probably. Yep. In some ways, maybe yeah, I don't know. It says, uh, it says by... copyright 1954 by Paul Anderson. Oh, okay. Well, there you yeah, go. So that's right around that same time. Yeah. With with the with a slightly different mythology, but also the same mythology that Tolkien was. You know, they're both big fans of like Icelandic and you know Norwegian sort mm. of mytho- mythos. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good because I remember you talking about that before on a previous podcast, or maybe it was this blog post from Jesse. I, think I can't remember. Blog post, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Looking good. All right. Yeah, that should be good with Brian doing a review. Review. He's um, yeah. He's, he's our resident Tolkien esque expert. <laughs> right. All right. Now here's a, a interesting looking one. It's called Warm Bodies by Isaac Marion, read by Kevin Kennerly, also from Blackstone. 
Um, R is a young man with an existential crisis. He is a zombie. He has no memories, no identity, and no pulse, but he has dreams. His ability to connect with the outside world is limited to a few grunted syllables, but his inner life is deep, full of wonder and longing. After experiencing a teenage boy's memories while consuming (laughs) his brain, R makes an unexpected choice that begins a tense, awkward, and strangely sweet relationship with the victim's human girlfriend, Julie. (laughs) That would be strangely sweet. (laughs) Your boyfriend's brains were (laughs) really good. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, should be interesting. I don't know that I'd I'd give it a listen, but... uh, Sure did like Reapers or the no, Angels. It's, it's, it's like those kind of ideas where you think, oh, the idea is maybe better than... The short story <laughs> no. idea. Well, well, I don't know. Mm. No, I, I mean, there was this great thing. Um, I, I made, I'm putting out this new podcast project at the moment, and um, one of the interviews with that I did was with this guy, um, David Friedman, who's a blogger, and he, he puts out loads of these different ideas. And one of them was like, okay, what, do you ha- what happens if somebody dies and comes back as a zombie and their ghost comes back as well, and they have to live together in the flat with their ex-housemate. So you've got the zombie of a man and the ghost of a man and his housemate all living t- together. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, that, there must be a really good story idea in there or, mm. you know, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it all comes um, back to zombies. Warm, warm Bodies is getting huge, uh, hugely positive reviews on Amazon. Good. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, with everybody except for one person saying uh, it's four or five stars. Mostly five stars. Wow! And thirty-seven reviews. So that's oh. that's like. Do you have a link for that then? Yeah, sure. Yeah, the okay, cover is uh, great too, and I don't know if this is a Blackstone exclusive cover, but the cover is really nice. It's got a a zombie hand, you know, all scarred up, and then there's this girl's hand in in its hand. Um. Anyway, it's neat. So the only negative review is uh, two stars. It says should have known better. While this was a pretty cute book, I feel like I wasted time reading it. I should have known better since there was a blurb from Stephanie Meyer on the cover. Oh, okay. Um, I like the author's portrayal of the future with zombies and humans battling it out every day. (laughs) The dialogue and character are underdeveloped and fake. I felt like the author created his perfect woman in Julie, brave, beautiful, but just fragile enough that she needs a man to save her. I felt that it was written with a movie script in mind, and I did not like that. It was very quick read, but not a lot of substance. Good book to get away from the library rather than purchase. Next time, I will pay closer attention to the, quote, people who bought this bought. <laughs> when <laughs> also I'm bought, thinking, yeah. yeah uh, Which, just because I'm on the page. That's a pretty positive review for a negative review. Yeah, this one has um, a blurb from Simon Pegg on it from Shaun of the Dead. Hmm. A mesmerizing evolution of a classic contemporary myth says Simon Pegg. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. It doesn't have Stephanie Meyer on it. I guess uh, the people at Blackstone know that we shouldn't <laughs> we shouldn't be appreciating <laughs> Stephanie Meyer's yeah. I never so. thought I would care so passionately for a zombie. <laughs> 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 that's Stephanie Meyer's quote. I never thought oh I could care God. so passionately for a zombie. <laughs> there we go. So did the zombies yeah. sparkle in this? I don't know. Spark- no, but if you see, yeah, I do really like the cover of there because Warm Bodies, it's a zombie, but with this... Yeah, this ribbon, not ribbon. Uh, that's actually a different cover than the than the one on Blackstone. Oh, is it? Okay. Amazon covers different, but the colors are the same. Yeah, well, it looks good. The, uh, that sort of just the single red color. Yeah. Who thought of being putting out a book with she's just black and white and then a dash of red on it? That's uh, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. It's a it's one if you know, I might actually 
give it a shot. I've been really getting sick of zombies. Mm-hmm. I, last couple of zombie books, I like. I should have just read the one that Scott, you and Julie talked about endlessly, because that one actually sounds pretty good. Whereas, which book? The, what's it called, Scott? The Reapers Are the Angels by Alvin right. Bell. Apparently, oh. it's uh, excellent book. Apparently, it's excellent. Mm-hmm. Someone, someone told me it was excellent. <laughs> you, know, you know what? It is excellent. So that well, person, somebody told me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 has anyone read Feed by uh, Mira Grant? I keep hearing about that. That's nope. another zombie like. That's the novel. that's the bloggers saving the world from zombies. Yeah. Uh, book. Uh, I've heard of it. it. It doesn't really grab me. I'm thinking it might be a bit like Demon or Damon. What's that one? Damon? Yeah. Demon? Oh. You know the one where there's a computer program that Suarez? comes after it? Yeah. Daniel yeah. Suarez. Yeah, Suarez. I oh, I got a great email. Let me see if I can just find this email. Do, 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 do. So it goes here. There's another mm-hmm. book um, feed as well. Sorry. Um, I, I thought it would take a minute for you. Yeah, I, I got this. I got this here from uh, from uh, this. Email, I guess Burridge. I wanted I wanted you to know that your book review regarding Demon by Daniel Suarez was sloppy, ignorant piece of shit. <laughs> wow. And by the way, Demon is pronounced the same as Demon in the English vocabulary. Thanks to me, you're now zero point zero one percent smarter, maybe. And that's sent from Matthew Sobel, who is the main character in the book. Called pathetic reply at Luke's worst review ever dot com, and I just thought I really do appreciate I really do appreciate that kind of feedback from my podcast. That's <laughs> start well when he calls you put some effort into it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's good. I mean it's like I, I like being called a sloppy, ignorant piece of shit. Well, apparently it's the demon uh, emailing you. He doesn't like anyway. No, this book. is even more uh, weirdly that I managed to get this email while this morning after waking up next to a girl who I met the other day and she, <laughs> the book that she had with her in her uh, bag that, was she, that she's reading at the moment is Demon by uh, <laughs> Daniel Suarez. And she's like, I was like, oh, I know that book. She said, is it any good? I said, well, the first third is really good. Mm-hmm. You know. And you know, like the it, motorcycles with the chainsaws? Now, motorcycles with swinging blades and chainsaws, um, it, it didn't work out. I actually really like the bit with the house at the beginning up until it skips forward in time by a few months. Um, that first part, I think, is actually really good fun. But yeah, I like that, the authentic uh, hacking stuff. Yeah, at the beginning is good, where he goes into the data center and tries. To, there's a bit of a mystery there. Um, and then up until the part where somebody gets put into prison, uh, and then after that, it's just stupid. It's just the worst, one of the worst books ever. It'll be a no, movie it's not soon, worse. don't worry. Uh, I hope not. Have you heard of uh, Zero Day by Mark Rusinovich? Nope. Mm-mm. He's like a Microsoft hacker, and he, uh, he wrote a book that's very similar to Demon about how um, all the security holes will uh, bring the world to apocalypse, like yeah, nuclear plants will be attacked, us. stuff like that. Scott, it's very positive maybe it's a better version of Demon. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I haven't heard Not of it. There's this, uh, there's this book. The IT cool. department. I, I, don't, I don't see it at brick-and-mortar brick stores. It doesn't have good distribution. Oh. There's and this book called... Oh, sorry, Korean. That's you it. Keep I just out here. Okay. Sorry. Uh, there's this. There was this book called. It was a short, very short story collection, sort of fifty 
views on the afterlife or something. I can't remember, but it's it's just one guy. He said, okay, the afterlife could be this or heaven could be this or the afterlife could be this. And one of the things that he said was like, how about that when you die, you, you program something to send out a message to say that you're dead. Oh, and it'll also answer all of the last emails that you've got saying that you're dead. But also you could probably make it so it it answers your emails properly and stuff like that. And then, you know, it carries on. And he, he pretty much, in a tiny little short story, comes up with the whole idea of having a, a demon or daemon. I guess demon. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> I'm not a tech nerd. Daemon? Demon. I can't remember the guy's name now. It was pretty good, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, it still bothers me that you haven't listened to that that Edward Wellens story that I sent you a long time ago. Mind is, over matter. No, mind. Mind slash matter. Slash that is ooh. the demon before all this all this yeah, it's still stuff. sitting here in my audiobook file there. Why don't so you listen my... to that thing? Well, it's only three hours long. I should just do it. Yeah, I should actually. I'll tell you what, I'll do it uh, on it's my next trip. I'm flying, tomorrow. I'm flying on Tuesday somewhere, so uh, go. I've, I've, got to, I've got two flights on Tuesday, so I'll listen to it then. It's okay? a mystery. It's a murder mystery, and it's set before the internet era. Okay. It is written before the internet era. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, let me just go through this thing. I have here in my book, I've got Finch by Jeff Vandermeer, and I didn't realize it was the third book in a series, so I downloaded it and haven't listened to that yet. Mind Slash Matter. I have Terminal World, unabridged by Alistair Reynolds, which I'm looking forward to getting to. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, cyberpunky set in whatever, cyberpunk sci-fi. No, not cyberpunk. Uh, no, not cyber. St- steampunk, that's what I'm trying to say. I have Company Wars by C.J. Sherry, which I've not got around to listen to. Also, um, from Audible, Children of Men by P.D. James. I've uh, heard that. That's a movie, right? It's a movie. I can't remember. I think I've read it, but I can't. uh, Maybe years ago, but I can't remember. And also, Lord Valentine's Castle, because it's. I've not read that for a few years. So Silverberg. um, Silverberg, yeah, Robert Silverberg. Mm. It's about a juggler, and lots of people say, "Hey, you should read Lord Valentine's Castle because it features a juggler." And I'm like, "Yeah, I've read it twice before, Mm -hmm. but I'll do it a third time." You know, I I really enjoyed listening to 1984 because even though it's a book that I've read many, many times before. Having somebody listening to it, uh, no, having someone read it to you, it, it they sort of have like a different inflection on the on the sentences or the, or the dialogue than you would imagine, or you know, it brings different meanings to it. I noticed that quite a bit with 1984, considering I pretty much know exactly what they're going to be saying next because I know the book so well. Um, but then to have it in a different tone of voice or with a different um, enunciation or pronunciation or whatever it is, uh, mm-hmm. it's really great. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to what Lord of Anton's Castle. That's like 20 hours. And P.D. James' Children of Men is about 10 hours. Um, so that should tide me over for the next few months, all those books. All right. Um, Sounds good. Children, children, I've reviewed Children of Men at least once, maybe twice, on the site. Yeah. And it is an excellent book by a regular non-science fiction <clears throat> author. She's, she normally yeah, writes mysteries, uh, P.D. James. But, yeah, they uh, keep it in the fiction department in the bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. But it's in the uh, but in Audible. It's in the science fiction fantasy department. So that'll do me. That's fine. I well, mind. I was uh, I was I was um, going to suggest if we're if we're talking about what we're listening to. Um, I'm about uh, let's see halfway through no third of the way through the Black Cloud by Fred Hoyle. That's the uh, oh. that's the Audible Frontiers release that has an introduction by um, Mr. Uh, Meme. Who's Mr. Meme? Richard Dawkins. Cloud. Richard is that Dawkins. the one where someone goes up to, and no, the Arctic? No, I'm getting mixed up. Here. No, the Black Cloud oh, is it? is uh, when a, a scientists or astronomers in California and UK uh, discover this object in the sky that is approaching Earth, 
that is a giant black cloud there. Hmm. They're That's concerned that it may, you know, come between us and the sun and block out all our light and kill everybody on the earth. Oh, that's good. And it's very mm-hmm. sciencey, very not just science fictiony, but very sciencey. Mm. Um, and it's it's actually it's got some funny bits in it. It's 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 old, but it's good. I actually Read started it. reading that as a kid, and I always wanted to know how it ended. I oh. was meant to look it back up. Well, um, the reading's not print. perfect, but. Um, it's it's a good it's a good reading, even though the reader's not perfect. I remember a book Great. called The Crucible of Time, and it's set over a long, 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 long period of time with this civilization as people, you know, these different uh, animals evolve and stuff. And at one point, they're going, "Oh, look, we're going to be passing through a cloud. Our star is going to be passing through a cloud uh, in of dust or something. So we're going to have to put up with." Um, a cloud, yeah, coming between us and the sun and what that's going to happen and it's going to plunge our world into the Ice Age or something like that. So I guess it's a similar kind of idea. There. There's also mm-hmm. a book called, uh, which I'd like to read, called uh, The Purple Cloud by M.P. Scheel, uh, published in 1901. And um, that is, um, uh, uh, I think, a cloud of nauseous purple gas uh, enshrouds the Earth. Um, that may have come from space. I'm not sure uh, exactly. I, I'm not sure if it's even available as an audiobook, but it should be given how old it is. Because it's called the Purple Cloud. Does everyone turn um, gay? <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be the Pink Cloud. It, it's about oh, the Pink Cloud, the oh, Rainbow okay. Cloud. Okay. <laughs> Prince comes and rules the planet. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the Purple Cloud with Purple Rain. Yeah, that's better. That's a better joke. It's I should have. By MP she- MP Sheel, who I think is a poet, right? Is an MP Shield poet? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. All right. Gotcha. Well, what else you got, Scott? Well, I've only got one more here um, in hard copy. It's um, from Radio Repertory Company of America. Uh, it's I really enjoy their um, audio dramas, and that's what this is. Um, they're extremely entertaining, in my opinion. Um, this one's called Songbird, and it stars Kelly O'Hara, Ed Asner, and Shirley Jones. And um, it's kind of a science fictional, there's science fiction and fantasy kind of mixed together um, about a singer who passes on the ability to see into the future to another singer. And you, you have to be a singer in order, you have to be able to sing these notes in order for it to work. And um, it's set in the future. So I thought it was pretty cool. Sounds good. Yep, yep. Good stuff. And that's all I've got there. And then um, on Audible, I wanted to mention, um, I'm a big Harlan Ellison fan. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah, and they, they had the voice the voice from the Edge volumes 1, 2. 1 and 2 were out in hard copy from Fantastic Audio. Then what volume, is Voice from the Edge? Uh, the Voice from the Edge is just his name for a collection of short stories. So basically, he's he's got two volumes of short stories that were out in hard copy. And then the third one came out on from Blackstone, but on Audible, called Pretty Maggie Money Eyes, Voice from the Edge, Volume 3. And now they've got Volume 4 and 5, um, which exists just on Audible, as far as I know. Um, the Death, the Death Bird, Bird and other stories. Yeah. yeah, that's it. The Death Bird and other stories is Volume stories. 4. And Shatterday and other stories, uh, The Voice from the Edge, Volume 5. And they're on sale for 10 bucks a piece, I see. 
Oh, this is cool though, because it says here, narrated by Helen Edison, Stefan Rudnicki, Arthur Johnson, and Theodore Bickel. Bickel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, so so that's that, uh, some old, good stuff. That's the old recording because I, I do believe Theodore Bickel's deceased. Could be wrong. Oh, that, I didn't recognize. I didn't see any name there. Super awesome narrator. He's mm-hmm. a super mm-hmm. awesome narrator. As are all of those guys. Actually, Art Johnson. I haven't heard from yeah. him. Yeah. Time. He's also super awesome. Yeah, the one called The Death Bird and Other Stories has his uh, Nebula winner, which he just won a Nebula last weekend, two weekends ago, for a story called How Interesting, A Tiny Man. <laughs> and uh, I haven't read that yet, but uh, so that's included. So it's a mixture of um, recordings from the past and uh, new ones. I hear he's a pretty good narrator himself. He's a fantastic narrator himself. Yeah, that's why I mentioned it yeah. that he's on that that he's one of the narrators on his own mm-hmm. collection. There, that's good. I mean, I hope he's not just reading the introduction. <laughs> yeah. I think, oh, I think, I, I I think he it. does do some stories. Yeah. Great. Oh, talking um, of reading the introduction, I see here. Um, so, Fuzzy Nation by John Scalzi. Hmm. That's one that I caught my eye just because it's new and it seems to be people seem I, to be ch- talking about it. I'm listening uh, to that. Oh, that's cool. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. I mean, it's it's like a court drama mostly, but uh, oh, is it? Okay, it's it's parallels I mean, the original book. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there is. Book. It, it's basically that part would be about. I assume it would be about uh, what what makes someone human, right? Right. Whether these fuzzy aliens on the planet are human or not, because if they're human, then they can't mine the planet and take all the resources away. Uh, so I they get go to Court to find it out, and it's based on the original story. Which is in the second half of the audiobook. So they actually include that on the end. Does so Will Wheaton read that? It says, I, uh, inter- Will Wheaton, John Scalzi introduction. That's what it's looking at. Yeah, yeah, so Will Wheaton reads hours, the book. right? So that, that is double the length of the original. Yeah, so the Scalzi book is seven and three quarter hours, and then the original book is the end of it. It's the other half of it. Hmm. The original book it, being, let me see here, Little Fuzzy. Yeah, Little Fuzzy. H.R. Right, yeah. Piper. Yeah, yeah, and it's a different narrator. I don't know where they got the uh, other version. Oh yeah, I see here. Okay, yeah, it says includes the underbridge of H. Bean Piper's original. Uh, it doesn't say who narrates the original though. I, I think they did their own version, uh, Audible Frontiers. So it'd probably be just that version. Okay, because oh, okay. mm-hmm. it's not Will Wheaton; it's someone else. Oh, I see. Oh, that's why I was confused about the length of this book because I thought it was yeah. like a novella, and then it was like, oh, this is thirty. No, it's hours. a short novel. It's a short no, novel. It's a short novel. Okay. Yeah, John Scalzi is very uh, cinematic. I mean, maybe some people don't like that, but I like how most Peter of these Gannon, I think, is done is the through. narrator for the second second half. Is my guess. Mm-hmm. Like, like most of the info dumping is through just uh, action and talking, not through like a lot of uh, exposition. Mm-hmm. So his books tend to be shorter, but which I I've like. only read. I've only read one of his books before. That was the Old Man's War, his first book. But you and didn't like it, that, right? No. Well, let me put it this way: there was a big third of the book in the middle that I thought was just wasted, and then the last third. It was like the opposite of, say, these other books that I've just mentioned, where the first third, like Demon, where the first third is really great, and The Light of Other Days, where the first third. It was the last third where actually the story started and I actually started caring about the character um, for various reasons that I don't want to spoil um, but yeah I thought actually the last third of Old Men's War was really good and the bit at the beginning was interesting but it was like hey check out isn't this a cool idea isn't this a cool idea and here's some cool technology and here's some cool technology and I was like oh that's pretty cool but then that middle third was just just tedious to get through <laughs> uh, I actually like the first third the best I was, I was like laughing out loud and 
I guess oh, I'm no, a that's sucker. good. Like I say, the first third is it's. I can see why that appeals to people, and I can see why when he was posting that to his blog, because it didn't he put it, when he's posting it to his blog, and then someone's yeah. like, "Hey, let, yeah, I'm going to buy this." Yeah, the recently on his webpage, and then he got bored. Oh, I thought I thought he only put like half of it out, and then he started took it down. Oh, maybe it's, he got a book maybe deal. No, I think he yeah. put out the whole thing, oh, but okay. I think it sold right before the end. Ah, okay. Well, I understand why that that first half of that book, or the you know the first third of the book, I realize you know I I know why people got sucked into it and actually started reading that you know quite a lot. But I think it's actually only in the last third where it really picks up into a big thing. Anyway, I'm thinking of getting Little Fuzzy and um, and checking oh, it out. Fuzzy Not Nation. Fuzzy. Get Fuzzy Nation. Nation get, but get Little get both. Fuzzy free. So, yeah, so I'll do a joint review. But, maybe I'm not sure if I'm going to download that now. Maybe in in a few weeks' time. Once I get but fuzzies are harmed in the making of this book. <laughs> oh, is that what it says? <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Good stuff. But I'm oh. a sucker for when uh, a character gets a new body. So that's why I liked Old Man's War. Yeah, it's pretty good. Gravity fails too. Because mm-hmm. they all uh, get new bodies, right? Yeah. Spoiler. No. Oh, spoiler. Um, <laughs> looking said on the through- podcast. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, that's what the book's about, isn't it? Old men, not being old men anymore. Um, right. And I was looking through, what we're we doing? Audible, new releases, yep. Stainless Steel, Rat Goes to Hell, I think we talked about the last time. But or, no, I, it's a different, know, no, it's a different 2030, one. 2030, I think, I think uh, Albert Tom, you mentioned this, the Albert Brooks book. That actually sounds pretty interesting. Uh, it's called 2030, The Real Story of What Happens to America. This is actually not uh, from Audible. It's it's from Tantor. Hmm. Um, and uh, it's... it's uh, uh, comedic, serious, uh, science fiction set in California in the year 2030. Um, but Albert Brooks, I, 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 I know his movies don't make very much money, but I think they're all really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Defending Your Life is an excellent comedy. Um, I don't think I've seen Mother, but I think I've seen pretty much all his, his movies. And uh, he's a really funny guy. And he, he's, you know, he writes them himself, usually. So, this might be a really good it book. It could be good. Yeah. Big fan of Albert Brooks. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. he doesn't do the reading. Uh, it's Dick Hill, who's a fine narrator, but um, I pr- would have preferred to maybe have him. That would him. be nice. Yeah, that would be yeah. cool. As the narrator. Hey, Defending Your Life is a fantasy, I guess. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's so here's, one, here's one that caught my eye from brand new from Audible Frontiers. It's called Soft Apocalypse by Will McIntosh. It says, oh, yeah, what, I saw that. Yeah, what happens when it. resources become scarce and society starts to crumble? As this competition for resources pulls America's previously stable society apart, the new normal is a soft apocalypse. This is how our world ends, with a whimper instead of a bang. And then Sounds it goes familiar. on to talk about social structures and tribal connections, and etc. I can't tell um, when it was originally published. I think it's brand new. He's uh, a mm-hmm. Hugo Award-winning science fiction author, apparently. Well, yeah, I mean, I've heard of him through short stories. Um, it's got one review here. It says, not what I expected. It's from April 2011. It's brand new. Nightshade Books. Yeah, yeah I think they, they were giving away the e-book for a month or so. Oh. But if you had the ebook, you can read along. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. See, if you if you I enjoy pers- books like One Second After or Lucifer's Hammer, this is not for you. <laughs> That's what it says. Yeah. <laughs> because it's to a be honest, slow, yeah. soft apocalypse. Yeah, actually, I think I might enjoy that. Then I'm, yeah. I'm much more of a. Oh no! I'm just thinking. No, I was just thinking before. What what was the book that we that uh, we discussed, which was. Um, 
uh, I really liked. What was the one that was the apocalyptic one? The Earthabides. Earthabides, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is that's quite soft. I mean, it's a it's a very bad apocalypse, but afterwards, it's actually like I say, it's quite soft. Just people just going. Oh, it's yeah. nice and slow. I, that's mundane. That's one one book where I don't mind it being slow. No, not mundane. Just leisurely paced. Yes. Paced. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I actually really enjoyed that. So, um, so the reviews on that are are generally positive for soft apocalypse. Um, Maybe. 18 reviews, and they're all uh, mostly five stars. There's a couple of one stars. But. And everything else on Audible new releases for science fiction and fantasy seems to be vampire books and <laughs> Star Trek time. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> just, that's just our first yeah. week. So, yeah, yeah, everybody's covered in tattoos. Let's just ignore those. <laughs> We don't see that. They're giving tattoos a bad name here. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. F- Fuzzy Nation isn't listed in that category. I think it's not marked as science fiction in Audible. Oh, no, no. It's, it's, it's a while ago. You've got to go list oh. all, and you go, it's like num- result number 32 or something rather than 1 to 20 or 1 whatever. Fair okay. I, I, I are can, putting out I, a lot of content is the same, mm. right? So, um, yeah. Otherwise, what's at the top here? Some short stories by Brent Weeks, who I've never read. And... He's on, that's on Graphic Audio, too, that short story. Oh, okay. So you don't um, some people seem to like this fantasy stuff. I've not, I've not tried it yet. And Way of King's Stormlight Archive. Isn't that already out? 45 yeah. hours and 34 minutes. Well, that it's must new be... on Audible, I think. It's new on Audible. Oh, no, it's not, because I'm sure we've talked about it before, The Way of Kings. Yeah, we, we have. Yep. I've listened yeah, to I the don't... first part of it. Oh, it's on sale. It's down to 18.50 instead of 32.40. So maybe it's just because it's on, on sale that they've re-released it. I can remember, yeah, 45 hours. That's a bit too long for me to bother with a new fantasy series. Now, there's a, there's a new uh, Audible Frontiers um, from three weeks ago in the catalog, um, narrated by Victor Bevine and Kim Pafenroth, uh, called <clears throat> Valley of the Dead, The Truth Behind Dante's Inferno. Hmm. Um, and that might be of interest to, uh, to uh, Julie. Yeah. She's a big Dante's Inferno fan. She's, she seems to be reading everything related to that. Um, it says, working from Dante's Inferno to draw out the reality behind the fantasy, Kim Pafenroth unfolds the horrifying true events that led Dante to fictionalize the account of his lost years. For 17 years of his life, the exact whereabouts of the medieval Italian poet Dante Alighieri are unknown to modern scholars. It is known that during his lifetime he traveled as an exile across Europe, working on his epic poem, The Divine Comedy, in this masterpiece, oh, in his masterpiece, he describes a journey through the three realms of the afterlife. The most famous is the three volumes is Inferno, describes hell. During his lost wanderings, Dante stumbled upon an infestation of the living dead. Oh, the unspeakable acts he witnessed, cannibalism, live burnings, evisceration, crucifixion, and dozens more became the basis of all the horrors described in Inferno. Afraid to be labeled a madman, Dante made the terrors he experienced into more believable account of an otherworldly adventure filled with demons and mythological mon- monsters. At last, the real story can be told. Hmm. Uh, and what's, that, the, what's the title of that again? It's called The Valley of the Dead. The, the Valley Truth of the Dead, okay. Dante's she, she wrote a column that uh, covered Inferno by Niven and Pornell and a book mm-hmm. called Dante's Journey by J.C. Marino. Have you read uh, Inferno? I have uh, not. Mm-mm. No? Nope. Luke? No, I haven't. I've heard Escape from Inferno is out as well now, yeah. and that's. And uh, Tama, what about you? Um, no. Okay. Well, I reviewed uh, both of them. I think. Did uh, you I, do I, an episode I, on it recently? Oh no, hey, no. It was I talked. I've talked about them on the podcast before. Yeah, yeah. But um, 
there what I liked what I liked about the Niven Purnell take on the Inferno was is the main character is a science fiction writer and he tries to reconcile all this. Oh all yeah, this I remember mentioning that. Yeah. As a science fiction writer, and it, it works really well. I mean, it brings a science fiction attitude to to uh, magic, and you say, mm. but in a way that is like, yeah, yeah, magic's unexplainable. Don't even try. Well, I'm a science fiction guy. I have to know what it means. So mm-hmm. this this sounds like it's it's uh, making the horror at the forefront. This is the kind of remixing we should probably be encouraging, by the way. Well, that's the thing now, isn't it? Um, YouTube, have now you can now click your um, videos and say, yeah, this is Creative Commons. Anyone can download this. Mm-hmm. And YouTube is then ne- now letting you edit other people's Creative Commons videos in the browser and repost them and things like that. So I reckon that's going to be an explosion cool. of creativity. I, and that kind so. of thing. I think the more people who release stuff with Creative Commons and the easier it is, uh, I think we're going to be... I mean, already we seem to be in a, in a, a golden time for user-generated content on YouTube, but now it's going to be more and more and more and more and more remixes, you know? Mm. People put music you know out what I like about the new YouTube now illegal. is the, uh, the... Have you seen that little CC button? And it, ha- it yeah. does automated uh, uh, Captioning, subtitles yeah. 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 Um, that are really bad, but I like the idea that they're going to improve and... Uh, Maybe people can go in there and. Well, I think the idea is that does it automatically, and then yeah, yeah, you can as the users can go. Actually, that's a bit wrong. It's he actually said this. But, exactly. Yeah. It's um, it's it's a, a a cool technology. I think we should be uh, happy about because it, it it's surprising it's surprisingly right often, and then it's uh, amazingly wrong when when you're reading it. It's yeah. like whoa, whoa, that has nothing to do with the, what that guy just said. Do they automatically translate that? They're yeah, and it's it's instantaneous. It's not even like, um, you know, there's no delay. So cool. it's kind of impressive. Yeah. Um, there's another one here that's kind of interesting looking. It's called X Heroes by Peter Kleins, uh, read by Jay Snyder. Um, it's uh, it looks like a post-apocalyptic book. Uh, so there's a house on fire, a car on fire. Um, I'll send the link to you guys here. Um, What's this? this is an audible. An audible, yeah. yeah. It's an audible frontiers title. Stealth, Gorgon, Regenerator, Cerberus, Zap, the Mighty Dragon. They were the heroes, vigilante crusaders for justice, using superhuman abilities to make Los Angeles a better place. Then the plague of living death spread around the globe. Despite the best efforts of the superheroes, the police and the military, hungry corpses rose up and overwhelmed the country. The population was decimated. Heroes fell. And the city of angels was less desolate, zombie wasteland, like so many others. So this is I am legend, but the other way around. It's With superheroes, yeah, yeah, you know, no, it was the legends who were, and then it's sort of like I am no longer legend <laughs> in Los Angeles. <laughs> that, yeah, it's the opposite. Excellent, That'd be a good title. Yeah. Hey, this is good. It says stealth, Gordon. I thought you were doing the. Hey, I'm just going to read out the keywords. <laughs> just going to read out the nouns from the descriptions of the book. We should play that game again sometime. Well, if we have any uh, any more um, ones that are clunky, we can certainly do that. <laughs> but no, those are the characters of, of, on the superhero team, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Very no, nice. like I say, it just sounded like you and Ego, overlords. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We know what game. <laughs> we know. End. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. That. Yeah. Let me see. <laughs> Drink. Hmm. Okay. Is that it then? Have we got yeah. through the list? Well, I think we have. I think we've, we have. Unless, uh, Dama, you got hey, 
Well, well, hey, Jesse, have you read the Ailey Martinez book? I thought you said No, you not yet. I am interested, but I see there's a new one as well. Yeah. What's that one called? Uh, something about the moon. I don't have it in Chasing front of the moon. There it is. Uh, and but he looks- usually writes like short comic books. I mean, funny books. So like- I'm tempted to try it. Yeah, it looks it looks like they're getting his entire his entire production out. There's five books there. Oh, six books of his. He's over. Him. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. It, it looks promising. Very promising. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna check out the automatic detective next. I think after after I finish um, the Black Cloud. Um, but I've been reading. Uh, I just finished. Sleeper season one, the comic book by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. I mm-hmm. think I've, I mentioned that to you before. Um, good art and pretty good story. It's it's like a a super a superhero goes undercover uh, on a on a supervillain's you know hierarchy and tries to get the goods on it and then sort of loses his identity and becomes a supervillain. Um, pretty good. I'm gonna have to pick up the second volume. Because the first volume was kept me kept me oh. reading, turning pages, and actually had some really good stuff. Good art too. Mm-hmm. I'm reading a romance comic by Mark Millar, who wrote Kickass. What, and it's called Trouble. One? It's called Trouble. It's just like a. It's almost like Archie, <laughs> but it's PG thirteen. I mean, it's pretty good for uh, Mark Millar doing a different kind of a book than he usually does. Oh, it's an old one, a limited oh. series. Yeah, but it's in it's in hardcover now. Yeah, from two thousand three. Actually, this this one I think is came as out, well think. from two thousand. Uh, well, well, I guess the comic the, book was older. Yeah, the, the, original, the hardcover just came out. The one uh, I I just finished the first volume of came out in two thousand two, two thousand three. I think. Right. Yeah. No, two thousand three, two thousand four. So, yeah, older comics uh, that are hitting the uh, trade paperback. I think trade paperback is where a lot of money is now. Right. And I, I told you that the Edgar Rice Burroughs, um, John Carter of Mars, there's like a big omnibus that's out there. I guess with the the movie coming out, they're putting out all bu- a whole bunch of Edgar Rice Burroughs stuff in both uh, like fiction and uh, comic book. Indeed. And you you said you might want to grab that. I I definitely gotta gotta listen to an audiobook of some kind. Uh, John Carter. And they just re- they just reprinted Tarzan. I just saw that in the bookstore. Yeah, I think some some Tarzan is public domain as well, but not all of Tarzan. I think most of the uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs um, Mars stuff is public domain, but maybe not all of it. So it, it, you know, who who's putting out their version is is going to be a lot. Uh, there's going to be a lot more options, mm-hmm. and it's higher profits because you don't have to. Or do you have to pay the estate? No, you don't it's have a, to pay the estate if it's a if it's public, if it's domain. public domain. Yeah. But it makes the estate actually work for their money, you know, get a good narrator. Um, if, if, there's no, uh, if there's no competition, then you just put out whatever. And you, you don't have to, you know, really milk it. You don't have to get introductory material or anything like that. Hey, Luke, do you read comic books? Nope. Okay. But my latest interview with my latest podcast is with a comic book artist. So Who's that? It, what do you mean? Who's the uh, artist? Who's the artist? He's called, he's called Brandon Palace. He's a guy that I chat with on a forum online. And we, he, he always posted his art, and I thought this guy's probably got something interesting to say. And it turns out he did. 
Um, especially because I don't know anything about comic book art or how to draw it or anything which, like that or any of the illustrations. So uh, it's pretty good. Which uh, comic book does he do? Um, well, he's done various yeah. bits and pieces. At the moment, he's working on a new project and he's not meant to be talking about what he's doing okay. or sharing his work. But uh, yeah, he's, he's not known. He's just oh. a professional. Just yeah, a so your feed is out and I just, I'm not getting it. Did you oh, fix could, that? If you press re, I think it re, uh, works. If you press refresh now, it should work. But it was because um, for some reason it drops the podcast. It should be. Oh, I'll talk about this later. Oh, it looks so, good. Um, his art looks good too. I'm gonna. Yeah. Who uh, to this. Who wants to have a go at keyword bingo? Then should we do it? <laughs> okay, you got a book in mind. I've got a few. I, I just got some. These are these are not from the backs of the books. They're from the Amazon review, which is the is the easiest old product this is a description. Book. Uh, yeah, okay, here we go. So, um, let's start off. So, yeah, it's some classic science fiction. Here we go. Um, future, uh, galaxy, empire, foundation, crippling. Yay! <laughs> oh, wow. There you go. That's pretty good. <laughs> Next one. Empire. Here we, here we go. Emissary. You listening? Emissary. Winter. Uh, planet. Galactic civilization. Uh, prejudices. Oh, this is uh, Ursula Le Guin. Uh, winter. Uh, what's that? Gender. One? Yeah. Uh, uh, left hand of darkness. Yeah. Wee! I don't know who got that first. <laughs> Whoever did that. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Next one. Um, Scott's kicking. Oh. Oh, this is a bit tricky one. I should have actually looked at this description before I do it. Okay. Um, World War Two. Slavery. Jews. San Francisco. Man in the High Castle. Hey, there you go. Mm. Wow, easy. Yeah, easy. Okay, <laughs> next one. Here we go. I hope you guys are keeping score. Um, <laughs> Keep score at home. Artifact. Memo. Rama. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Saint. Pastrami. Oh, okay, that oh, one is... Leibowitz. Um, yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell me how you're, you're, you're way behind. I've been trying to catch up. Okay, check out this one. Uh, oh, no, that's going to be too obvious. I won't even bother with that one. Um, tragic murder. Um, oh, no, oh, this is great. Colonists. Uh, desperately overpopulated Earth. Um, political groups. Transnational corporations. That's like a Heinlein book. Uh, Mars. Okay, Red Mars? Yes. Oh, man, that was a bit yeah. obvious when they got pretty, to that. Pretty good, <laughs> considering yeah. I haven't read it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. Red Mars? How many yeah. got that, man? Okay, here we go. Last one here. I think it's pretty much neck and neck between Jesse and Scott here. Um, oh, I, I forgot it. Here we go. Uh, Armageddon. Galaxy. War. Pilgrims. Riddles. Uh, Desperate Hope. Terrible Secret. No. Star Wars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I've, I've, uh, I've, it's run out. That's a very short description. Let me see if I can find a better one. Yeah. Uh, that was Hyperion, by the way. Oh, oh. of course. There, there, there wasn't a whole lot to go. Okay, you didn't get that one. So final mm. one. Here we go. Hopefully one of you will get this one. So, um, ugh. oh, there's not to go on. Uh, Hugo Nebula Awards. This is a bit... Um, oh, this is actually a really bad one. Like I say, I should have actually looked at these descriptions. Okay. War. Conflict. Humanity. Aliens. Um, Ender's Game. 
No, but kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Collapsars. Uh, Larry Nevin. <laughs> um, instantaneous travel across vast distances. Uh, Still uh, sounds Bulk like ship. Ringworld. It's not Pandora Star, is it? Yeah, that's, that's Mandela. Gonna... Mandela. Oh, this is Joe Haldeman. Yay, uh, for Reverwar. Yeah. Reverwar. All right. Okay. Yes. I think Jesse wins that he game. Did, yeah. Yeah. I gave zero. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we definitely done. know who the loser is, but it was, uh, <laughs> it was close between Scott. And but there you go. It was That's a tie fun. between me and uh, uh, me and Scott. I wonder how Watson would do in that at that game. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.